Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You've tuned in to Sci-Fi Fidelity, episode 48, Brittany Curran interview. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mike and Dave with you with an interview edition of the podcast, and it's for you fans of The Magicians. And this is one that I was looking forward to for a while because it was in the works for quite some time before we were able to track Brittany down. She was in Shanghai for a while and uh, finally got a hold of her right at a pivotal moment in the series. And I guess, Dave, I should say up front that this one's going to be spoilery all the way through the current episode of The Magicians. Yeah. And, you know, she was great. And obviously, we've been so fortunate over the years to get great people and they're just so giving in the interview. But, you know, for me, I really have not worked my way all through The Magicians. So, uh, you know, I've seen episodes here and there. As you said, this is a really pivotal time for her character in the series. So I was able to, you know, watch those. But, yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun, dude. Yeah, she actually was a great interviewee just in terms of the the great insight she gave, not only into the character and the show, but also just her life as an actor. And, and I think we've been enjoying that aspect of our interviews lately. But for those who are not aware, and of course, please don't listen to this interview if you haven't seen The Magicians up through the current season four. But Brittany Curran started in the acting business at a very young age. And after landing a role in the Disney movie, Go figure. She joined the cast of several Disney properties, as well as TV shows like TNT's Men of a Certain Age, ABC Family's Twisted, and the juggernaut on NBC, Chicago Fire. Now, genre television fans have watched her character, Fenn, become more and more central with each season of The Magicians on Sci-Fi, and her latest story arc puts her front and center in the magical land of Fillory. So please enjoy our interview with Brittany Curran that includes discussion of the episode that just aired this past Wednesday as this podcast is released on March 24th. Enjoy. All right, we're here with Brittany Curran, who viewers of The Magicians know as Fen, the wonderful uh, girl who was bred to be the consort of kings in Fillory, the children of earth, which are nothing but a thorn in her side. <laughs> Welcome to the <laughs> podcast, Brittany. Thank you. Okay. Well, Michael introduced you as playing Fen in The Magicians, but before we get to The Magicians, could we talk for a second about Fraxter? Because we're both huge sci-fi fans and we see post-apocalyptic world, young people. What can you tell us about your character and as much of the basic premise as you're able to tell us? Yeah, I can tell you that in Fracture, uh, my character is naturally a lot more of a badass than uh, Fen is in The Magician. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Fen has her knives, and she's actually secretly a badass, and everyone finds out later on. But in Fracture, um, my character is a fighter from the start. 
And um, gosh, I can't say too much at this point, but that's um, what we figured. <laughs> yeah, right. The world that she she's hurtled into a very, very different world than she's used to. And I would say she actually adapts pretty quickly. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to film. It was like a lot of abandoned sets and like old Western sets. And it was uh, definitely a left turn from Fillory. <laughs> that's for sure. But your character in <laughs> The Magicians started out much like other natives of Fillory, where they were very deferential to the children of Earth. But once you became a serious regular in season three, you became very savvy in the ways of Earth and visited Times Square, among other things. But you even, in the recent episode, you caught Margot's references to Karate Kid and Napster. I mean, do you know the explanation behind your character's ability to understand both worlds? How do you explain it? Yeah, well, um, when I went, when Fen went to Earth, when she actually visited Earth, in season three, it's not explicit how much time she spent there, but it definitely seems like she spent at least probably a couple months there when she teamed up with Julia to help save the, the fairies. So my thought is that she just was so fascinated by Earth culture that she just basically when she wasn't, you know, saving fairies, she was out there at museums and the square of time, as she calls it, and uh, a bunch of other Earth places, just uh, probably watching tons and tons of movies. Because as far as I'm concerned, I don't think we have television in Fillory. So <laughs> even though we have magic, we don't have like the magic of technology. So I think she just caught up on our Earth culture as much as she possibly could. I think she loved it. Do you spend a lot of time thinking about your character and trying to uh, put your own spin on things to build your acting? Yeah, I spend a lot of time on it. You know, sometimes when we're on because we film for about five months out of the year. And so the rest of the year I'm, I'm working on other stuff, but also prepping for, for Fen. I have a journal that looks, that I think looks Valorian. And so I, you know, journal in there as her, I talk as me about her. I read the script a million times and I just explore it. I even did something new that I'd never done. Uh, I think it was for season three where when I was in Vancouver, which is where we film, I actually called up my real therapist in real life and we had a Skype session together, um, like a therapy session, but instead of for me, for Fen, and it's because it was the year where Fen was going through a lot of trauma and just a lot of stuff. And so I asked my therapist, I was like, Hey, would you be comfortable with doing a therapy session for a fictional character? <laughs> and she was like, sure like why not you know it doesn't hurt and it was really cool and it was really insightful into fan psyche and so yeah I do, I do i do tons of work on her but you know it, it's always great to do as much homework as possible because when you get to set it just allows you to be it's free I, I you know people say like the more you prepare the more spontaneous and free you can be and that definitely happens on on set where i get there and i kind of throw everything to the wayside and just just play with what's given to me well, you mentioned Vancouver, and, and I think most of our listeners know just a ton of sci-fi shows are, are filmed in Vancouver, but it seems like a lot of Fen's scenes take place in some of the more scenic parts. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about some of your favorite locations and maybe some that were a little bit more challenging, even if everything looked pretty idyllic on screen? <laughs> oh, Yeah. It's funny, like once you start looking, if you watch a lot of television, you'll notice you'll be like, wait, is that Vancouver again? <laughs> I've been watching Supernatural recently, like a lot of Supernatural. And there was just a scene the other day where in the background, the, the two guys, Dean and Sam, were at a 
uh, in front of a university. And I was like, wait, that's break bills in the background. Like that's our, that's our same, you know, facade. Actually, it's actually a real school. I was like, that's the same school that we film at on the exterior. <laughs> um, and same with the forest scenes. Yeah. Vancouver is beautiful. And when I'm not filming, I film mostly in one soundstage, uh, which is where Castle White Spire is the interior. But yeah, I also, cause Sven lives in Fillory. I do so much beautiful Vancouver exterior filming. One of my favorite locations is definitely when we film in Britannia Bay, which is a little further north of the city. And even just the drive there in the morning is right along the water and it's beautiful. And so it's, it's like you go to work and you spend, I mean, it's not like that easy, but you spend the whole day on the beach and just looking at Britannia Bay. And when we were filming on the Muntjac, the boat last season, like we would just go out on the boat in the morning and, um, have a beautiful day on the water and uh a lot of the Florian forest scenes are actually stanley park which is just connected to vancouver which is actually really close to where i live when i'm there so we'll just you know go really deep into the park and film in the middle of of stanley park which is great and it's beautiful but when it's cold i remember my my last day of filming on season three was the scene where I'm dressed up as a fairy walking through the forest and Irene McAllister and Gavin think they've bamboozled a fairy. And then I take off my hood and I'm like, Oh, it's actually the high King of Fillory. So I filmed that. That was my very last scene that I personally filmed of the season. And it was like, at that point it was like midnight and it was actually pouring rain. Like you might be able to tell in some shots and I'm basically wearing just like a skin tight bodysuit with that um, fringe on top of it, which does absolutely nothing for warmth. <laughs> and my feet were soaking and like, you know, the PAs were so wonderful. They were trying to like have a heat lamp next to me as much as possible because everyone else was wearing winter coats and I'm basically wearing a leotard. And then we were soaked, but it was such a fun day. It's like, you know people have been through way worse <laughs> on film sets and in life. And so, um, yeah, it all turned out good, but yeah, some days on sets are really cold, especially when your wardrobe is like you're dressed for summer and, um, the climate is actually winter. <laughs> yeah. Well, with recent events in the magicians, Fen's role is becoming much more important than it once was. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how the writers approached you and talked to you about how your character was going to evolve because, I imagine you were kind of amazed and surprised and pleasantly so that a character that was barely in the books ended up being so big. Yeah. You know, when I first got the offer uh, years ago, it was originally to do seven episodes in season two and it was a recurring character. And I remember getting the offer and I was really excited. And then my boyfriend started reading the books and he was like, Brittany, I have some bad news. Like <laughs> your character dies almost immediately. And I was like, my agent told me I was doing seven episodes. How is this <laughs> possible? So I read the book, the first book. And I do, I, I'm in like 20 pages and I was really concerned. I was like, I thought this was a big character arc. Um, and then I of course found out that they end up doing the book, but then their own version for television, which, which is cool. Cause you know, fans in a way get to explore two different versions, two different worlds of Fillory and break bills. So yeah, it went from seven episodes to 12. So I ended up being in almost every single episode of season two. So when they made me a series regular, I was surprised, but I wasn't surprised because I was like hearing rumors on set that, that I might be made a bigger character. 
but I, you know, I never celebrate too early. So when I actually saw that, <laughs> I was like so excited. And then this season, my character is just expanding so much. And it's one of those things where I didn't really necessarily know that it was going to happen. I mean, I'm, I knew becoming a serious regular was going to happen, but when things happen to your character, you don't always know. I mean, we're friends. I'm a friend with a lot of the writers. And so sometimes they'll tell me like, hey, by the way, you have like some really awesome stuff coming up. But it wasn't really until I got the scripts that I find out how much more important Fen's becoming and, and how she's growing and how she's becoming much stronger. So I'm finding out just by reading the scripts as an audience member in a way, which is a really fun way to find out like where my character's going. All right. Well, we're going to get back with Brittany here in a second, but let's take a quick break. And then Dave's going to ask a little bit about how Brittany maybe didn't have the most traditional high school experience. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I want to back up uh, for a second to something you talked about. I think you even called it homework, character preparation. And beginning as an actor at 11 years old, I I assume you gave up a lot and and the transition to your adult career has gone fairly smoothly. And I've heard you speak very uh, warmly about your parents and, and how much you owe to them for their support. But I also heard you talk about the fact that when you get the chance, you've gone back to college to study and I'm wondering, I mean, did you miss school or, I mean, what, what's that like going back to college and do you get recognized when you're in class? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, um, my parents kept me in just regular public school as, as long as humanly possible, which was awesome. And then, yeah, I just got to a point in my career beginning of high school where it just wasn't possible to do, I mean, I still had school, you know, on set, but it just wasn't possible to be in class every day at just a typical school. So I left and there was definitely a period when I was high school age where I missed it. And it was mainly the days where I wasn't on set and I was at home doing my own homework that I would like look through my parents' yearbooks and just think about what high school was, which of course gave me an insanely romanticized view of what high school is. The good thing is I went to John Burroughs High School in Burbank and the final year of my senior year, or sorry, the final semester of my senior year, I decided that I was going no matter what. So I actually went back to high school and I took a break for like three or four months from my career to like go to prom and go to graduation. Oh, wow. And I'm so glad I did. It's funny. It's not high school's not nearly as romanticized as I had made it in my head, as it turns out. Shockingly, <laughs> not like the movies, <laughs> which I didn't know. But yeah, when I did finally, I've always, education has always been really, really important to me. I love academics. I love reading. And my dream since I was a little kid was always to go to UCLA. So yeah, I I went to community college for years. I was actually going to community college since I was 15, like racking up credits. So I was like the 15-year-old kid with all these adults at a couple different community colleges in Southern California. And then it finally got to a point, I was 23 and I was like, man, like 
I was like, my career is going well, but I really, really want to go to UCLA. So I took like a half like break for two years. So I tra- I got into UCLA, which was amazing. And I transferred over and it was very different. Like, cause I was actually living in a dorm at this point. I was a little bit older than everybody. I was 23 when I started and um, I was already used to having like my full adult life, like being on at work on set with a full career every day. So it was a little bit of a culture shock to like being in a dorm room with surrounded by 18 year olds. Fortunately, my, my, um, my roommate, Kristen was awesome and she still is a good friend of mine, but yeah, it was different. I love school though. <laughs> I really love school. Like I miss writing essays. I just started taking a screenwriting class last week and we got homework and I was like, yes, homework. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we all we all look back fondly on our college years, I'm sure, no matter when you started or ended it. So that's good. Uh, speaking of going back to the magicians, though, in in the most recent episode, you shared a very powerfully emotional scene with Summer Abishal, who plays Margot. And I hope you know which one I'm referring to just before yes. she ends up leaving. This season's fillery d- dynamic as a result has been very different now that Fenn and Margot have really grown into their own and Elliot out of the picture is not necessarily a good thing character wise, but maybe, maybe it was really good for this dynamic that we're seeing. Did you feel that you and summer played off each other particularly well this year, the the way we did? Oh yeah. I, I love summer in real life. First of all, she's just such an amazing person and also such a hard worker. She's so professional while also still like being a goofball sometimes, which, which is kind of how I am too, I think. I loved working with Summer and like having us and then Trevor Einhorn as well, who plays Josh. Uh, the three of us had a lot of stuff together this season. We just had the best time on set. And I feel like Summer and I have really good chemistry and having it just, or I mean, Trevor too, but other than Trevor, having it kind of just be the two of us for a while was good because sometimes when you have other characters around, especially really strong characters and for like these two women who both grew up in worlds where well, certainly in Fillory, like where women were a second class citizen and Fen was arranged to a man and then the man comes to the kingdom and then still ignore like even though he's like an earth person, our child of earth, like still ignores her and still treats her like a second class citizen, even though the world he comes from doesn't do it as strongly as Fillory does. So like I think for like all of that to to go away and finally give space to Fen and Margot to actually grow into like the strong women that they can be without being overshadowed by that was really, really important for both of them. And then finally allowed for them to bond. And so, um, yeah, the scene you're talking about was really emotional because leading up to that, um, when last season Fen started becoming high King once in a while, like, Summer and I always joke around in real life that like we really love the crown and that Summer's very possessive of the crown, but that I want the crown. But like in real life, we make these jokes <laughs> and I'm always teasing her about how I'm going to be the high king. And so this has been going on for like probably two years now. us like teasing each other about being king. And so when it finally came for me to really dethrone her for real and not be the acting high king anymore, but be the actual high king we're in the scene I've been teasing her about it and then all of a sudden I'm like I was like you know some I was like I know this is a fictional world but like I'm feeling really really bad about dethroning you right now and it was really the most amazing I think we filmed it at night scene because like I we just felt so connected and 
I'm not sure how much of it it shows, but we were basically just crying, like, uh, yeah. like holding it in, but then crying the whole time. And it was one of those things where as an actor, like you didn't really need anything, but the person across from you, certainly for me, I mean, you do all your prep work, but it was one of those days where like everything I had prepped went to the wayside. And I just looked at summer, like looking devastated or summer as Margot being devastated over having to leave and be dethroned. And oh my God, even when it was on her close up, like when my camera, when my face wasn't even on camera and usually you save it up as an actor, yeah. like, I was crying. <laughs> we were both like crying on each other's close up and it was just the most emotional day. So it was very cathartic at the end, but it was cool working with someone like her. is incredible. Having seen the cut, I can tell you it, <laughs> it, it killed it. <laughs> Okay, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it was just uh, a real great culminating moment. And and like you said, I think it all comes down to chemistry. Awesome. Yeah, no, I know. I totally agree. And, and yeah, and I, I love working with Summer so much. Okay. You know, uh, Mike mentioned earlier uh, the obvious changes in importance uh, of Fenn. But there's also a change in wardrobe that seems to be more open, more confident. Uh, you got your hair down at the dinner scene. D- it, it, the writers still make a point of Fen and her speech is not necessarily being particularly skillful. So which do you feel is the real Fen or is she changing as we get closer to the end of the season? Yeah, I know. Good eye. That is definitely all changing. I mean, I think the real Fen is just whatever is, her in the moment, you know, like with any, with any person, like when you change, it doesn't mean that the old you was real or wasn't real, you know, like she, all of it is, is who she really is. But I think what she's becoming now is like the best version of what she really is, especially with the wardrobe. And it's, it's actually funny. Like it's much more subtle. Um, if you ever, if you went back and watched the, the change of her wardrobe and Mark Mogley, um, oh my God, I'm the worst, Gudeski. I'm good friends with her. She's our costume designer. I'm so bad at saying her last name. (laughs) She's brilliant. And like in second season, Fen's wardrobe started out very like loose and more like not, not fitted, like way more uh, stiff. And then as she started to become a little bit more awakened, like there started to be more like 1920s, like roaring twenties prints. Like the style was still a little bit more like royal-ish, but then you see more of like that freedom of the 1920s in some of the prints. And then it just slowly starts morphing. And so, yeah, this season, there's a way more obvious change, which is Fen goes from wearing dresses all the time to wearing pants sometimes and more form fitting stuff and more like, um, I don't know, she just like seems more awakened and her hair is down and more flowy and, or it's like back. Oh my God. I love that hairstyle when, <laughs> yeah. uh, when Fen and Margo went on the quest with the braids and the ponytail, Katrina, who does my hair is so amazing. And when she showed me that hairstyle, I was like, oh my God, that's the coolest thing ever. It kind of reminded me of Ray from star Wars. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. Oh God. And I love her too. So that's a good, it's a good person to, <laughs> to have an homage to. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, the writers obviously, but then the other, uh, amazing people behind the scenes like Mogley, and Kat and everybody who, who forms my look, like they really are a big piece of who Fen is. And when I slip into the wardrobe and when my hair and makeup's done, like that just helps me get into Fen even more. Um, oh man, I took so many like pictures in my trailer of that <laughs> hairstyle. I'm so obsessed with it. It was like nerding out over it every day. 
Um, but yeah, no, she definitely, her wardrobe very clearly changes. And, um, I'm really curious to see like what happens next season. So I get the sense, uh, just to wrap things up here that you do enjoy watching the type of fair that you also act in, in terms of sci-fi and fantasy. So what type of entertainment do you enjoy in your free time? Yeah, I love movies and television. I just, I just, um, I love the magic of going into a movie theater or staying at home, snuggling up and, you know, watching it in my, in my own home. But I, God, I love everything. Like, I mean, I love science fiction. You know, I love, uh, Annihilation was one of my favorite movies from last year, but I also love like, actually my favorite movie of last year might've been the favorite. That movie was so amazing. And I actually went to London a few weeks ago and, um, I went to the, one of the castles, Hampton court palace where they actually shot at. I'm a huge nerd for English Tudor history. And then after, and so whenever there's period pieces, I'm usually probably going to be there watching it. Some of the TV I'm watching right now, I love Westworld. I love the good place. As I mentioned earlier, I'm obsessed with supernatural right now. I, I just love everything I do. I mean, science fiction has a special spot in my heart. I just watched Sunshine for the first time, which I can't believe more people haven't seen. The one with um, Killian Murphy. It was so amazing. Yeah. I'm a big Alex Garland fan. A big Alex Garland fan. <laughs> oh my God. I would love to work with that man. He is a genius. But yeah, it wasn't until recently that I started really falling in love with science fiction, like maybe like the past five years that I just realized, I always liked it, but I just realized how much it's just such an amazing storytelling advice. Is, is telling like real human grounded stories, but through a more fantastical lens, you know, I feel like it lets us let down our preconceived ideas about like what we already know about the world and displacing us into a different world. And you can see characters differently. And that's part of the reason why I love science fiction and fantasy so much. Well, so, so do we. <laughs> um, I figured. I was like, you guys probably do too. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad you were able to join us too because I visited the set uh, just before season three and you got called away just before you made it to my table. So <laughs> I'm glad we finally oh, got to talk. <laughs> that was a crazy day. I was the only person that day that was literally in every single, I mean, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I love working, but like I was in every single scene that day and I felt so bad. I was like literally running back and forth between set and the stage that you guys were on. So I'm so sorry we missed each other. I'm like extra glad now that we've got to unite here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, thanks so much, Brittany. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks you guys. All right. That was a wonderful discussion and I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really think that Brittany has a great career and a great outlook on the business. You know, Dave, she just seems very down to earth. Yeah. And she, raises a, a concern that almost every actor we've talked to ha has mentioned and that is the life of her character how long <laughs> am i going to be here right could have been a lot shorter than it ended up being so very happy that she got picked up as a series regular back in season three and the story arc that's really heating up as we get towards gosh i guess it's the last four episodes remaining in season four and the Magicians has already been picked up for season five. So there's more of Brittany Curran to enjoy at least for one more season on sci-fi. Very popular show on that network. So we used to do a ton of sci-fi shows on the sci-fi network, but lately we've been doing a lot of Netflix shows, Dave. What do we got coming up next that fits into that category? Well, if you are a fan of shows about witches, if you are 
a fan of shows about magic, this is the time to be a TV fan. And yeah. we are going to take a look at the new Netflix offering, The Order. Right. And it actually has some similarities, at least at first blush, to The Magicians that this podcast was covering. So it's the school idea, college age kids and dealing with magic and a little bit of werewolf ingredients stuck in there as well, which at first was off putting for me. But I think for those of you who have enjoyed it, you know that it's actually quite unique and enjoyable. And hopefully our podcast will also persuade those of you who haven't decided to check it out yet to maybe give it a look. I think uh, you enjoyed it. I kind of enjoyed it against my expectations. Yep. Same here. So that's going to be next Sunday, but that's it for this episode of Sci-Fi Fidelity. Keep the discussion going on social media. You can follow Den of Geek on Twitter and Facebook at Den of Geek US, and we are at Sci-Fi Fidelity. And in the meantime, we'd love it if you could rate and review this podcast wherever you access it. Be sure to send us your suggestions for future topics on social media or via email to sci-fi fidelity at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. 